Welcome to the Faith and Money podcast with Keith Conley and Crystal Wampler. Faith and Money is a podcast where we discuss the relationship of money, wealth, and generosity with the Bible. The goal of this podcast is to equip believers in Jesus Christ to honor the Lord with their wealth. We will explore topics like the true meaning of wealth and its biblical uses. I am Keith Conley, and I am an independent certified financial planner and certified kingdom advisor who came to financial planning with a background in pastoral ministry. My superhero power is my brazen ability to scare away little children at family gatherings with my musings on money, politics, and religion. My co-host is Crystal, and she is the CEO of Kenethics, a financial advisory firm for the cannabis industry. Thank you, Keith, for that introduction. Last week, we interviewed Reverend James Azaro on the topic of marriage, money, and pastoral counseling. If you haven't already, please check it out. This week's episode will continue on this theme of marriage and money. But today, we are going to be blessed by the testimony of Chris Wells, who is going to share the difficulties he endured in his marriage with finances. We would like to get right into our discussion today, so we do not have a question, but we do love your emails and comments. You can reach us at faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Right. So the, the writer David Augsburger in The Meaning of Marriage wrote, the handling of finances is one of the major emotional battlegrounds of any marriage. Lack of finances is seldom the issue. The root problem seems to be an unrealistic and immature view of money. I just know from being a financial advisor from years of experience is that most folks, whether they're married or not, think very emotionally about their money. It's very easy for me to give super analytical common sense advice, but if I'm not able to Um, reach the person on an emotional level, it's very difficult for me to be effective at my job. And I think that in marriage, that's really uh, the same way. Uh, We need to be able to reach our spouse in an emotional way and not just a common sense analytical way. So I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing the testimony of our guest today, Chris Wells. And Keith, what I'm hearing you say is that communication in all levels of your marriage is super important. It is, it is. And, and, you know, we're going to have a a really good um, story about the testimony of our guest and, and what happened in his marriage. Wonderful. Thank you, Keith. Thank you for coming onto the show, Chris. Please tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Chris Wells. I live in a little town called Appison, Tennessee. If you've ever had a little Debbie cake, they make them right over here in our backyard. Um, I grew up in a small town in Southern Virginia. Uh, Our church went to a church camp in West Virginia uh, two weeks a year. And that was our, that was our social life growing up. Um, I was saved there when I was 11 and have been in church my entire life. I'm 49 years old to be 50 in just a few months. And I've been in church in in various roles, and while that's a really good thing, uh, I think that it had, I think it had a negative impact on other 
people's ideas of what I was ready for or we were ready for. Um, now I am a transportation manager for a manufacturing company uh, here just north of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, active in my church, get to sing on a regular basis and, and really enjoy that. That's my that's my life's dream is to be able to make a living singing, but I, I don't think that's going to happen at this point. So I'll just uh, sing for free for whoever, whoever's willing to listen. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think anyone's ever going to pay to hear me sing either. Just ask my kids. <laughs> hey, but Chris, if, if you want to sing us a tune now. Uh, I'll pass on that one today. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Okay, wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became a Christian? Well, you know, like I said, I I was I've been in church my whole life. I knew the story. I knew I, I mean the first place I went after the hospital was was going was to church, you know. And um I remember sitting at this church camp in Anthony, West Virginia, and Kenneth Leonard was preaching. I couldn't tell you for the life of me what he was preaching about, but I knew at the end of that service, I was supposed to go forward and I did. And, you know, different people have different reactions. I, my brother took off running. He was running in circles out in a big field. And I just sat over there and cried like a baby. Um, I, it hasn't always been an easy walk, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's for sure. You know, West Virginia is a great place. I'm originally from the East coast and I actually have, uh, a few clients in West Virginia. It's a great place, but I got to ask Chris, was Sasquatch at your uh, Christian camp there in West Virginia? I think Sasquatch was the nurse. <laughs> so, or Bigfoot or Yeti or however you want to name them. So, you know, West Virginia is a wild place. Uh, it's a beautiful place. So, can definitely understand you know why there's so many christian camps and, and areas in there and and you know thankful uh for the influence it had in your life yeah Me how too. how old were you when that happened do you remember i was, I was 11 11 yeah good to know and good to know i went back and worked at that camp until i was 23 uh working as a counselor whatever whatever spot was needed i was there uh, two weeks a year. Yeah. Amen. So, you know, we're talking today about what happened in, in your own marriage. And I think that's really goes to show, you know, with the story we're about to hear that just because someone's in the church doesn't mean that they're immune from, from mm -hmm. problems um, mm -hmm. in their relationships with their significant other or in marriage. You know, I know that this is a, you know, a sensitive topic and not any, many people would be willing to come and share what you're going to be sharing with us today. So, you know, we do appreciate your willingness to share um, your own personal story with us. Glad to do it. So, you know, Chris, most problems in any marriage generally start before the wedding day, as we all know. Uniting two people in a marriage is never easy. We all have different experiences and expectations. What happened do, during your premarital counseling that caused so many problems? Well, uh, the, our first meeting, the, the pastor that was going to perform our ceremony gave us a, a workbook to go through. And 
I went through it and, you know, I did, but I, I, I felt like I was applying myself correctly. You know, I, I wanted to make sure it was done. And Mm-mm. when, when we, the first, I think we had four total meetings. The first three went really, really, really well. You know, I, I was impressed with things that she had done. You know, she seemed impressed with things that I had written and the thought processes. We all seemed to be on the same page. So I I was really encouraged there. And then the fourth one and why in the world they saved this one for last, I don't know, was about finances. And um, uh, her, her job was very demanding. Uh, And, you know, I, I got there a few minutes early and she got there and was there for about 10 minutes and her work called her away. And, uh, the, the pastor of the church said, you know, you guys have done well so far, you know, you're, you're adults, you've been in church your whole, all of your lives. I think we're good. Let's go ahead. And it sent a red flag up. And my mistake was I didn't say anything. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I can see how that would happen a lot. You know, it's not like your your fiance or your soon to be wife intentionally skipped the meeting. It doesn't seem like she was called away. Mm-hmm. And I can see right. very easily why a minister would say, "Okay, well, you know, it happens," but um, you know, he didn't really want to reschedule it for whatever reason, or or maybe just felt that you'd be able to communicate what was ever discussed in your meeting and. And so I can I can see that, but it, it led to some pretty severe problems uh, after the wedding day. Right, and you know I had I had sat down and put all of my all of my bills, everything that I owed, put it on a spreadsheet, printed it off, and because it was something that she and I had never discussed. And after after that fourth that fourth meeting, it was wide open wedding planning there was no more discussion anything and you know I I would work during the day and then the evenings it was you know building different things that were needed for the reception whatever you know whatever was on my hit list that's what I worked on and did you try to bring up financial discussions again I did not and you know that's that's a and that is a, that's the number one downfall that I'll say was, was on me, you know, as, as the husband, as the man in the relationship, it, I should have made sure that we had this discussion beforehand. And I didn't do that. You know, I thought, okay, well, you know, well, I, I mean, I, and I was nervous, you know, I, I didn't want to go into that meeting because I had several things, school loans and other, other debts outside of school loans. I mean, it was probably less than $10,000. You know, so it wasn't a wasn't an enormous amount of of debt in that in that area, but uh, you know, we just didn't discuss it. I I never found out how much she made. She never she ended up knowing how much I made, but it it didn't go both ways there, and that was a discussion that we very much should have had before anything else happened. I know that when I've done premarital counseling with a couple, I very directly ask each individual and I always start with the, the, the man and say, 
you know, ask him a couple questions. You know, how much money do you make? Uh, and what debt do you have? What is your philosophy of debt, credit cards, mortgages, and, and just kind of bring that out. And then I'm going to look at the, at the, the bride-to-be, and I'm going to ask her, did you know that Chris had this credit card debt or, or this income? And a lot of times the answer is, well, I knew he had some, but I didn't really know what or how much. But then, but then I don't let her off the hook either. And I ask her the same thing. You know, how much money do you make? And what are your debts? And, and one of the other common questions that I ask is, you know, what was like money like growing up for you? How did your parents treat money? And what was your experience? And, you know, in the case of my wife and I, uh, you know, my parents and her parents were both, you know, upper middle class families, and we kind of treated family very money very similarly. But a lot of times, couples have very different experiences. Uh, absolutely, and and she and I had different experiences um, in in that area for sure. Um, you know, my parents both ran their own businesses, and. You know, mom, whatever money she made in her in her alterations business was hers. You know, it she could do with it what she wanted. And then dad's plumbing business supported the home and took care of everything else. You know, so it, we didn't have the best of everything, but we had everything we needed. And and you know what happened with your money discussions after the wedding day? Because you know, the wedding day is just one day. Right. Um, wedding day doesn't make a marriage. So what happened after you were actually married? Well, it was a self-confidence thing for me because I, I, if, if she wanted something or needed something, my thought was, okay, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And, uh, with, with her working and going to school, uh, I found myself taking care of her daughters, which was fine. I didn't mind it a bit. Um, you know, so a, a lot of my money was spent buying groceries that I wasn't used to buying. Um, and when, as I was not managing my money properly, um, I was trying to put money together because the oldest, the oldest daughter was graduating from high school and wanted to take them to the beach. So I, had a family friend that had a, a house out on the shore of North Carolina. We rented the house for a, for a week and, you know, I budgeted money to go out for gas. I budgeted X amount for food, which is, uh, you know, I don't know if your kids are teenagers yet or not. You can't budget enough money for food. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, by the time the vacation was wrapping up and we were about to hit home, you know, my funds were, my funds were tight. Um, and you know, it was like, she was upset if she had to spend any of her money while we were gone. And, you know, we never had a combined bank account or, or anything like that. And, uh, we came home and I had a car payment. Half of a car payment was, was behind. And uh, there was a note on the door 
that they were coming to look for my car. And that started, that started a argument that never really ended. And, uh, uh, so we went to her, I guess you would call them her godparents or her bonus parents or however you look at it. And we went through my finances with a fine tooth comb, you know, went through all of my debt, all of my school loans, uh, taxes that were owed. And, uh, you know, so we had set up a, a plan to get all of that put together. And, you know, I was trying to follow the plan and, uh, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't very long after that today that, she told me I needed to find someplace else to live. So before that happened though, you guys went through your finances with a fine tooth comb, but did you not go through her finances with a fine tooth comb? No, never did. Do you, do you feel, why do you feel like that happened? Um, I will say that she probably didn't think it was any of my business that that would at that point, that would have been her take on it. Um, you know, without getting, you know, I, I don't feel at liberty to share things about her life before, but I'll just say that she had not, she did not have the best experience with others in her life and managing money. Um, you know, with buying things that, the home didn't need and it caused problems when it tried to buy things the home did need. Mm, um, so, so basically what I'm hearing you say is her past issues. She let her past issues come over into her current relationship. Yeah. And probably if you did have that first meeting, you pro and if the, the premarital counselor would have insisted like he should have, or just waited to go through it, then you might not have been in the situation that you are at this point. Right. It would have opened a dialogue. Now, whether the, the wedding had been pushed back or not, you know, I think we could have pushed it back six months and we would have been fine. You know, if that is something that she would have wanted to do. Um, I think that the, the relationship between the two of us was strong enough to handle that. Um, and I should have stepped up and said, look, we need to have this meeting. We need to go through this. But talking about finance was, was always uncomfortable, always uncomfortable. Right. And in that type of relationship, you need to be able to have the uncomfortable conversation. Regardless of, of what her rationale was, there was evidently some, some you know, past hurt on her part and you know some lack of trust whether it was you deserved it or not could be discussed at a different time but um it sounded like she also had a child from another relationship and that may have added a level of complexity and that you know the money she felt that may have felt and i'm not i don't know your ex-wife and i don't even know who she is but um there that that child probably added a level of complexity to the financial dynamic between the two of you. It did. Um, you know, I, I did 
what I could to help, you know, if there were uh, field trips, you know, and I had cash, you know, here's cash, go ahead. Um, if there's, you know, any, anything that I could do to help, I did. I felt like that was my job. I, that was what I signed up to do when I, when I proposed. You just don't marry the individual. You marry the family, uh, whether they live in the house or not. But, um, you know, so I, I never did begrudge that and, and often would take care of those things before my own and probably not the best decision, but I felt like it was the decision that needed to be made at the time. Right. Well, I mean, I, I admire your sense of, of duty towards, you know, a child that isn't, you know, biologically your own and, and, uh, you know, that's admirable, um, you know, and, and I can't imagine the difficulty in, you know, trying to care for a, a wife and child that you weren't used to having around and, you know, having those costs and, and having that lack of communication, you know, kind of bringing this discussion a little bit more broadly, why do you think that some people within a marriage avoid talking about money? Well, because it's always a touchy situation, you know, uh, when, when we're single, what I make is mine and nobody else's. There's certain parts of our lives that we're, you know, if we don't want to let God into parts of our lives, there are certain things that we don't want him to be a part of. We do the same thing to others as well. Right. So having a conversation about financial things is difficult. Uh, you know, we've got people in church when we, when we need to talk about spending money to make repairs on the church building. They don't want to talk about it because they don't want to spend money. And, and it happens whether we're 25 years old or whether we're 75 years old. And yeah. I, I think as a, as a society, we need to normalize having conversations about money. I, I agree with you. And I, I think that mm -hmm. the first thing that, that we as disciples of Jesus Christ need to understand is that the money I make, you know, from my vocation isn't primarily mine. It's the Lord's. Right. And, and once we really understand that God is creator owns everything uh, and that we're his ambassadors, his stewards of whatever he's entrusted us with, the first question that we should be asking isn't what do I want to do with this money? It's what does God want me to do? Um, and that could be just as relevant for a individual or a blended family or a marriage or even a business or a church that, you know, those questions are just as relevant, no matter what position or, or relationship you're in when that, that financial discussion comes up. Absolutely. It's just when we start talking about her money and my money that, and we take the, the God out of the equation that, that we run into those problems. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told, she had a house when we, when we got married and I told her from the beginning, I said, if something happens, I have no intention of doing anything with the house because it belongs to you and your kids, you know, and I had no, I, I, I went in, that was going to be my, that was going to be where I live the rest of my life. And I was happy with that. Mm -hmm. And, but 
I think that part of the reason she did not want to have a combined account was because then she was worried that I would have a stake of some sort in in the house or an interest in the house. That's interesting because I'm no attorney, but if the house is deeded to your wife and you're not on the deed, you don't have any interest in the house. Right. And I and I was purposefully did not want to put my name on the deed. That way she didn't have to worry about it. We understand that. And, you know, we, uh, and unless she told you that's what she thought, you know, we, it, 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 we don't want to, you know, assume things, but, um, you know, that would, that would never have happened. You could have paid the mortgage and on that home and it still wouldn't have been yours. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, she, <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever listened to XM radio, but some channels they'll have, uh, I believe the last time I listened, it was Alan Dick would come on and he would do this commercial about back taxes. They'll come take your home and they'll do this. So, you know, when she found out that I had uh, taxes that I owed, which, you know, seven, eight thousand dollars, which was being paid, already had a an arrangement set up with the IRS to get it taken care of, although it would have taken quite a while. Uh, it was in process. Um you know, she was scared to death that they were going to come take her house because I live there. Yeah. And because I don't think that would have ever happened. No, um, I mean, there was no way it could because I didn't have a ownership of the home. Right. Well, not only that, but I, I mean, maybe a tax attorney is going to correct me here, but I've never heard of the IRS seizing someone's home. Now, if, if, you're in a state that has property taxes and you're behind on the property taxes, that's when the, you know, the state may come in and, and start seizing, you know, a lien on your property. But I've never heard of the IRS putting a lien on a home for back income taxes. They may have put a garnishment on your income mm -hmm. to pay but I've never heard of the IRS seizing a home because of back taxes. Right. And, and I tried to explain that to her, but it, yeah, it didn't work. But, you know, I, again, if, and it all goes back to that financial discussion at the beginning, if we had had it, or if I had put my foot down and said, Hey, we need to have this discussion, then we would, it would have already been known coming in. It wouldn't have been a surprise and we could have already been prepared for anything that could have come up. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, I look back on, on the whole ordeal and that one conversation, I believe would have made a huge difference. What do you wish you had done differently in that situation? I wish that I had right then said, okay, we need to set a day now where whether it's in the morning before we go to work, whether it's at night after we're done or during the day, whatever, make a point to have this conversation. Uh, it is, it is absolutely critical because when, when you lose faith in someone as on the financial side, you lose faith in everything. You just, you, you can't lose faith in one part of a person. It's either there or it's not. Right. I mean, I, 
you know, but at the same time, I know so many people who are super successful at what they do. Doctors, lawyers, um, business owners who are behind on their taxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a very common thing. There, there are people whose whole job is to help people with back taxes negotiate with the IRS on a tax settlement. It's their whole job. Um, so, you know, and there's a market for that. <laughs> right. Um, no, and, and it was commercial for that, for that particular business that she kept hearing, I believe this scared her. And it's just unfortunate that, that some beliefs that weren't even true mm -hmm. kind of derailed the conversation. It, it's, you know, it's just unfortunate that, that perhaps you didn't know anybody or, or there wasn't anyone available to kind of set you both straight on those issues, you know, on those points that I just made about, you know, the IRS not taking people's homes. <laughs> right. I, I had lived in the area about two years at the time yeah. and uh, I'm a social hermit, so I didn't really know a lot of people outside of the small circles I traveled in. Right, right, right. Crystal, what were some of the other things that we wanted to ask Chris? So my question, my question to you is, um, what are some of some ways to help spouses who are reluctant to talk about money, talk about money? Both have to be willing to have a conversation and not be judgmental and not get angry. When, when you're being vulnerable, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or whatever, and in this case, financial, you are, you're paling the scabs back and it's painful because not everybody is in a great place financially. Not everybody's been a great manager of money. You know, yes, I've got a job. I've, I work every day and I'm thankful for the job that I have. However, don't assume that I am well off. Don't assume that I have, you know, X amount of dollars squirreled away in the bank because of my living situation and my work situation. Have the conversation. Ha ask, hey, let's talk about this. Here's the debt that I have. And I think it's only fair that we talk about the debt that you have. Um, and, and I, whether it's the, wife or the husband one of the two needs to be the instigator of this and I, and I it, it is best I believe to do it before you set the date you know be able to sit down and have that conversation because if you can sit down and talk about money and be open about it you can sit down and talk about anything and that builds a level of trust and it builds a level of intimacy that is hard to break when you're able to sit down with somebody and have that conversation. So I have a quick, quick question though, Keith, before you um, hop in there, um, are, were you guys equally yoked? Yes. Okay. So you both are equally yoked. And I think adding to that is um, that, that was a brilliant, um, a brilliant explanation 
but I want to add that it is also important that, you know, you are equally yoked and that you realize what Keith was saying is that it's, it's all the, the Lord's money. It be- belongs to God. And once you take yourself out of that, you know, and you remove yourself from that picture, it kind of makes it a lot easier to share. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, even as we said at the beginning with the quote from, from David Augsburger, you know, it, it doesn't sound like to us that your issue was money problems. There were some money issues, but that wasn't the primary problem. The problem was uh, trusted communication. And, and the fact is that every, that a money is an emotional topic. It, 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 it requires, you know, behavior change. It, it, a lot of people have fear when it, it comes to making decisions about money. And so many people are just frozen at the prospect of changing a habit or making a financial decision. And, and being open with that is, is, makes some people feel very vulnerable. Um, and, you know, and, it, and it's a shame that when there are marriages and there are many marriages in this situation, um, I don't think your situation is unique at all, uh, that, you know, there's not that level of trust uh, on the one side of the, of the, on one part of the marriage where there's not that open line of communication and, and uh, you know, it's tragic. I agree, Keith. I was just going to add to that, um, that, uh, you know, financial literacy should really start in with our families and our churches. You know, Pastor uh, Nazaro last week was telling us how um, he prefers to implement premarital counseling before premarital merit marital because once you get to premarital it's everything is yes okay and let's get through this i'm so in love with you it doesn't really matter you know and and so it's kind of you're kind of head over hills then it's yeah. kind of too late what 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 do you think about that keith yeah i mean he he what he was saying last week was that you know he likes to have conversations with couples before they're engaged um, and that he's of the mind that that you know men and women shouldn't be dating unless they're looking towards marriage. And it's not that they have to promise to get married the first time they get on a date, but you know that should be the goal. Um, and, and when you see a couple starting to get serious, you know there there should be some level of of conversation, especially with the man before he proposes, because once there's a ring on the finger it's very difficult for people to back out of a of a decision and, and and getting into some really difficult situations once they are married um chris you know as, as we kind of wrap this up um what advice do you have for couples who are struggling to communicate about money my first suggestion would be to find a topic aside from money that is uncomfortable and get used to talking about that. And once you've got that conquered, pick another one beside money that is uncomfortable and get used to talking about that. Build the trust together that 
you know, we can have opposing opinions. We can have differing backgrounds on different things as long as we can find a common ground. And then when you do sit down and talk about money, just because somebody does something different doesn't mean it's wrong. You just have to find, take the two points of view and find one that's going to work for your home. Right. Right. I also find that asking questions of your spouse, rather than going to them and say, hey, we need to build a budget. It, we need, it might be more wise or, or more effective to go to them and say something like, how would you feel about being able to manage our money better with a budget? Uh, I, I started that conversation not long after we got back from the honeymoon uh, about, you know, hey, let's, let's set up a household checking account. We decide how much I'm going to put in it for paycheck. You decide, we decide how much you're going to put in it for paycheck. And what is, whatever goes into our personal accounts is ours. But we handle the household out of that household account. Because yeah. we know what we know what the bills are going to be, we know what the insurance is going to be each year, so we just put that in every pay period, and that was shot down, you know. So the, at the place I was emotionally when that was shot down, I just closed off completely, you know, because in my mind, if if that's shot down, then any other suggestion I bring up is going to be shot down as well, right. And, 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 you know, honestly, when, when couples fail to uh, combine, you know, financial accounts, you know, bank, having joint bank accounts, for example, and, and, and purposely keep them separate, I think that breeds a level of, of mistrust on both sides. If, if one side is not willing to combine finances, it naturally, uh, brings up the question, well, what are they doing with their money? What they, what, why don't they want me to have a joint bank account? Are they trying to keep something from me? I think it's a very natural question and, and unfortunately could raise a lot of suspicion and, and mistrust. Um, and, and, and so and that is one of the reasons why I very strongly advise on having combined uh, bank accounts. Right. And, you know, I'm, if I ever get married again, then that's going to be a conversation that we have before we ever talk about marriage is going to be about finances, about, you know, hey, we there's, there'll have to be a threshold. I love buying tools. You know, how, how much can I spend on a tool before I have to talk to you about it first? You know, if it, if we both decide it's $75 every pay period or $75 a month, Okay, I'm good with that. But you just have to set that expectation beforehand to avoid there being a confrontation after the fact. Right. I agree. I think the one thing that I would like to add is sometimes once you're past the I do's, the if you've brought up brought something up to your spouse and they um, aren't too excited about it, then perhaps that's when you bring in a third party, someone like, you know, Keith, Keith Conley or your pastor or whatnot to help communicate between the two of you. Right. Yeah, that, that kind of brings up another question I had. Um, I know it sounds like you moved to a different area and, and, and you had a very limited network, but 
you know, what was your church of any help during this trial? Well, not really, because we were, I went, so I started going to the church where she was going. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of taking one side or taking the other side. And uh, so I felt like it was best to, to not involve people in the church in a situation where it could be even more uncomfortable going, going forward. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. And, 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 you know, in my experience, unfortunately, what I found is that at least in the area of finances, most churches are just not equipped to help people. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I really have worked hard to just say to, to a lot of churches that I know all across the country, if you need help in this area and you need a, a in, you know, a, a third party disinterested party, I, I'll help you. You know, I, I, I've had, I've literally had pastors sending me their premarital couples to talk about finances because sometimes ministers, families, for example, know that they don't have their finances in order either. What, you know, they, they don't feel comfortable or qualified to talk to these couples about their finances. And, you know, I, I, I've literally have had uh, situations where couples in the church, not my church specifically, but, you know, Christian couples who were fighting about finances and I helped them sort these things out. And, you know, some of the resources out there you would hope would be the diaconate at a church. Uh, you know, the, they're they're involved in mercy and 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 just and discipleship and and helping people um, with these things in their lives. Uh, you may have their churches out there may have an attorney or a financial advisor, someone who's a bit more adept at helping with these uh, financial issues. And 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 you know, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I should say, um, you know, God has given his church another tool, um, and it's that big, hairy word, church discipline. Um, and when there is one ask, you know, person in a marriage, or maybe even both of them who are sinning against the other, and, and they're not willing to reconcile and, and follow the Lord, that is a tool that the church has have been given by God, um, and it, and it sounds like a big nasty word, but at the end of the day, you know, the church discipline is, is the purpose of discipline is to call people to repentance and to strengthen discipleship in the Lord. Um, and you know, we have tools out there. You know, Pastor Zozaro last week mentioned a really good resource for any of the our listeners who may need to have some counseling or some discussions on finances with their spouse. One of the books that, that Pastor Zozaro mentioned was, you know, Strengthening Your Marriage by Wayne Mack. Um, and, you know, that may be a resource for couples out there to, you know, have some of these discussions and, and to create some conversation, you know, with your spouse within a one-to-one -one format or maybe in a, in a pastoral counseling situation. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100 percent. And even if the church doesn't have the resources available, 
there on site, whether the church doesn't have enough members in the congregation to have that opportunity, they should have a direction to send a young couple. Now, in a day and age where it's it, the Zoom is so easy, there are biblical counselors all across the country, even around the world, who are qualified to do this type of right. counseling. Um, and in my mind, I don't care the size of your church. There's no excuse for the church not being able to either provide that level of care or to send them to someone who can. Um, you know, when I do premarital counseling for churches, I don't charge for it. I don't even ask the couple to become a client of mine. I do that as a service to the church. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are many biblical counselors out there who will charge a fee based upon someone's income. And quite frankly, if the, if the couple can't afford it, churches, you know, mercy ministry should be paying for it for the couple. Now, you know, I, I haven't gone to counseling for financial issues or marriage issues, but there have been certain things in my life growing up um, since I've been a Christian for 25 years where I've needed to talk to a biblical counselor. And there have been times where I couldn't afford it uh, and in the past and, and my church paid for it. Um, and if you, and if a church isn't caring for the people, then I don't know what they're really doing. Uh, and they may not be equipped to do it, but there's certainly resources out there that are available. Absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story, Chris. You've been great, and uh, we're glad to have you as a friend of the podcast, and, uh, and pray God's richest blessings on you. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thank you very much. And if you're listening to us, please share this podcast with all your friends and even your enemies, because we have really good content, and we're spurring one another on to love and, and godliness and holiness in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at our email, faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we're looking forward to talking to you again.